Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are covering Season 3, Episode 10, That'll Do Pig. Lorelai misses the town carnival when a visitor arrives. Rory's beau won't take her to the carnival until he learns that she might go with another boy. <laughs> Rory's beau. That's such a weird <laughs> phrase for Jess. <laughs> and then another boy also. It makes them sound so like... That makes Dean sound so childish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, before we before we get into stuff, don't forget we're still doing our sticker giveaway. You can enter by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and writing us a review as well, sending a screenshot of that to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll send you a sticker. And you can also just give us reviews for funsies. We like those as well. <laughs> it's a very fun pastime, I've heard. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's really it gives you a hit of dopamine it's really worth it mm-hmm. to give it a shot <laughs> <laughs> anyways what were your thoughts on this episode I think it was entertaining definitely uh you've got the return of tricks which is a good surprise you've got like the super awkward carnival experience uh, continued dean and worry drama I Yeah, I found it entertaining. I definitely don't think mm-hmm. it was, you know, my favorite of the most recent batch of episodes, which I have felt have been, like, really good. But this is still this is still a solid episode. Mm-hmm. How about you? I agree. I thought it was just, like, a fun and games kind of episode. It was one that I have very little memory of. Mm-hmm. Like, that whole Dean and Jess confrontation at the end, I have no memory of that. <laughs> I just remember Clara being obnoxious. Yes. So... It was fun. Yeah. Not super juicy or anything, although we got some tidbits here and there. Yeah. That makes me think of the creators of Stranger Things were going back and changing things in the earlier seasons. I wonder if they're doing that for Gilmore Girls, just, you know, know, adding in that Dean and Jess scene, which I swear I've never seen before in my life. No. <laughs> they Wait, they did that for Stranger Things? Like, if I go and watch the first seasons now, it'll be different? It's like minor things. It was pretty controversial um, that they like oh, wow. would fix in um, like inconsistencies and small details. It's like in like in the last season of Game of Thrones where there was a, a Starbucks cup and yeah. they went and edited it out after it aired. Exactly. Things like that. <laughs> if they somehow time traveled to get young jess and dean to film this scene to add in hats off to them that's great (laughs) yeah and i'd have to think if it was in the present day you probably have to pay jared padalecki and milo ventamilia however you say his last name uh jared and milo let's just say we're on first name basis they probably cost a lot more uh so (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah there i saw that uh milo has a new show out Yeah, I did too. I read an article about it my friend sent me and they said the actor from This Is Us and Heroes, they didn't even credit Gilmore Girls and I was really (laughs) offended. That's where he got his big start. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm not, I'm probably not going to watch the show. It doesn't look that interesting, but Mm. still he's in it. Yeah. So. (laughs) Yeah. Good for him. (laughs) 
Anyways, back to Gilmore Girls. Yes. Should we attempt to do our talking fast and go through what happens in this episode? It's yeah. kind of a, a hectic episode. Yes. Well, you know, by nature, our talking fasts are usually hectic, so maybe <laughs> it will match well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Gosh. You are going first. Are you ready? I think so. On your mark, get set, go. So the big thing this week is the Winter Carnival. Lane's going to be there uh, with marching band stuff. And meanwhile, at Chilton, Paris is in love with J- or Jamie's in love with Paris and Paris cancels stuff. And Francie uh, takes over and Rory confronts her about it. Oh, gosh. And um, uh, Trix arrives at Richard's birthday party which sends Emily into a tizzy, and then the carnival happens, and Dean and Chess in there, are there, and uh, the dinner happens. Oh, gosh. I, like, 10 seconds in, I lost it. Oh, <laughs> It's not gosh. a good sign. <laughs> I'm worried <Okay>. <laughs> for myself. <laughs> are you prepared to give it a shot? Why not? Okay. Ready, set, go. It is winter. There is a carnival. Rory wants to go with Jess. He says no, uh, but then it turns out that Another thing is happening. Trix is in town. Surprise for Richard's birthday. Um, unrelated, but she arrives on his birthday. They go to dinner at the inn and they see Lorelai's house. So Lorelai doesn't go to the carnival, but Rory does. And then she ends up going with Rory and Dean because Dean just wants to be friends again. They got coffee at Weston's earlier. And it's really awkward. Claire is annoying. There's a confrontation. Uh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That was Maybe. pretty good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice okay the benefits of going second <laughs> oh yeah kidding. i know it was it really was i had time to like read over the notes so it's like hmm. <laughs> should, should we slow down and go over it in detail yeah let's do it and i want to open up by mentioning when we are in the cold open it is cold because there's snow mm-hmm. it is winter later on we'll learn this is after Christmas so I'm guessing this is like January so I just want to note this is a pretty big time jump from the last episode like in the Thanksgiving I kept feeling like did I miss something there was like a good amount of time that had passed yeah I mean it kind of explains why Jess and Rory are so comfortable kissing throughout the town square as we'll see in a couple I know. scenes we will get to that just crazy <laughs> last episode i'm too shy to kiss in public now yeah <laughs> totally different oh my gosh in the cold open we get a couple tidbits that i think will be important in coming episodes most notably lane's band is going to start practicing in lorelei's garage so that's exciting. I almost from this expected that we would get the band stuff, but Me we too. didn't this episode, sadly. Mm-hmm. And that is a solution that seems so obvious. I kind of wonder yeah. why they didn't bring that up before. We've also, I don't yeah. know if we've ever heard of the Lorelei. Um, I don't know if we've ever heard that they own a garage before. <laughs> yeah. So maybe this was just at the point where the writers decided oh, what if they had a garage and that's where they could practice? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We've definitely seen shots of their house. And now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if we've ever seen, like we see the garage later, of course, but so far I don't know if we have. It's (laughs) usually just the the hoopah that's in the yard. And she doesn't park in the garage. Yeah. Hmm. 
conspiracy. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, it's really not a conspiracy. Just, uh, <laughs> I think we can, you know, on the timeline point, this was the invention of the Gilmore's garage. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Lorelai asked Luke to build it just for Lane. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, we get the setup for the winter carnival. Lane is going to be raising money for the marching band. She asks about whether she whether she should let Dave see her in her marching band outfit and it's a hard no from everybody which I think is I think it's a little bit rough I mean she looks cute in the outfit and marching band outfits like you don't expect them to be sexy so right yeah I thought that judgment was a little unfair and I also thought Mm -hmm. it was a little silly to pretend that Dave would like lose interest in Lane based on a single outfit (laughs) but I mean it doesn't surprise me for the Gilmers necessarily, like their mm-hmm. judgment of fashion. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but this is coming from the guy who ate multiple eggless egg sandwiches to spend time with Lane. So. Yeah, you think a marching band <laughs> uniform is going to like... Like, no, that's, you know, no opposition compared to the eggless egg salad sandwiches. Mm-hmm. He's invested. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our next scene following the cold open then is a day at Chilton. We are in calculus class. Hooray. <laughs> I wrote like multiple different potential maths that it was. I never took calculus. So it's like, is this algebra? No, it's definitely not algebra. Is it trigonometry? I I don't know. This is more advanced than I ever did. So I'm glad you know it's calculus. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll give you the reason I know. Uh, Paris holds up a binder at one point that says calculus on the front. (laughs) (laughs) Because (laughs) I did not know myself either. (laughs) Though Paris does not seem to be writing very good notes in that binder because she is mostly doodling throughout this whole class. She's doodling a Christmas tree, I noted, which comes up in a second. And Madeline and Louise have some pretty good back and forth where they can't really follow the notes and they turn to Paris for her expertise, but she is totally like oblivious and doesn't even notice when class ends. It's Rory kind of like walking over to her that snaps her out of this like trance almost and she ends up also deciding to cancel the supplementary student council meeting to this point apparently they've been having two meetings per week which is just yeah wild to me for a student like group and after school thing that we both I think talked about like student council at our schools was so minimal but it seems so intense at Chilton anyway though what do you how do you feel about this portrayal of Paris as like the like kind of she's losing focus and attention as a result of her relationship with Jamie here. I don't know. I mean, in the past, we floated the idea that it could potentially be red flags, but Mm -hmm. I am inclined to give Paris a lot of leeway because this is her first real like romantic uh, love interest. And she did just have a big Christmas with him, I guess, which Mm -hmm. brings not only hanging out with him, but also experiencing a Christmas which we find out isn't something like she she's Jewish of course so and her, <laughs> which, her parents seem to have never like she never went to friends houses for Christmas it sounds like so mm-hmm. I totally forgot that Paris was Jewish because like her mom and her give me such wasp vibes 
<laughs> that I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. She is Jewish. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that she just had the Christmas Christmas with Jamie where he told her he loves her. So kind yeah. of getting into the next scene in the hallway where she's telling Rory all of this stuff. So she has had these like very momentous personal relationship things going on. But I, yeah. I am starting to get a little concerned about like her behavior as a result of this relationship just because it seems like she's like losing essential parts of her personality almost of like her investment in school and student council and things like that like she's kind of just dropping those things to focus on Jamie um but but with that said I do like that she is in a loving relationship and she's having that very exciting component of her life and I also just kind of wonder on the the part of like the writers, like why do they make this decision to have Paris react to the yeah. relationship in this way? Because I almost feel like what they're implying is Paris is so like unprepared or unsuspecting that she would be in a relationship like this. So she, like she just can't handle it and she loses like the other part of herself because at one point she says like I never thought a boy would say that to me like they're trying to make her seem so like like undesirable that now she's like totally taken away by the fact that she is in a relationship and I just don't like it's so weird to me it's like the like oh when they expect us to think a character is weird or ugly or something mm-hmm. like that. But then it's like you look at Paris and she's just like a thin, pretty blonde. And yeah. it's like, what, are you supposed to tell me that's not attractive to guys? I don't, I don't know. I just have a lot of mixed feelings about this storyline, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also wondered like for for the writers whether – I think they go back on this in later seasons with her love interest, but – I was wondering if they were trying to kind of get the point of, like or right into a trope of like an intense woman who is then like kind of calmed down by a man like this mm. man kind of brings her back to earth or like balances her out mm-hmm. and I th- I think that if they are doing that it's they make a very clear choice to go the opposite direction in later relationships where Paris like stays very much herself in her relationships questionable though some of them are (laughs) um but yeah I think in this one and that's interesting I wonder if it's maybe just because she's a teenager so Mm. you know her like sense of self is slightly less developed than later and it's more like malleable depending on her relationships but that does make a lot of sense. Like at this phase in life, she loses herself a bit in the relationship. It's kind of like consuming her. And mm-hmm. that's like kind of she enjoys that a bit because she's getting to experience something new, which is the relationship. But it ultimately then in college when she's a bit more when she's older, she's able to like maintain the person, the self as well as the mm-hmm. relationship. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I liked this scene partly because I just loved I, I'm obsessed with Christmas. I love Christmas and I right. loved her like descriptions of everything. It just seemed so cozy. And then I like that Jamie likes her. <laughs> but I think you do bring up good points that it is starting to get close to yeah, being concerning. <laughs> mm. And it is a little fast, I 
think also of the to think that they started to date over well it would have been it was like right before thanksgiving right yeah i mean they had their first date in the summer but yeah they didn't like get back together until maybe like end of october right and so then to like invite her to christmas and to say i love you interesting interesting timeline yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean it also like younger relationships sometimes (laughs) jump the gun a bit (laughs) that's a good point i also like to think that jamie is getting to know her really well so he knows Mm. that her family is like almost non-existent so he would want her to be there so she could have like a family and company on Christmas because her parents seem so like out of the picture. Yeah, I wonder though whether she still celebrated Hanukkah because that would be another thing. Like we find out that he has invited her to spend another week with her for Easter. Religious holidays, very Christian. <laughs> I know, and it's, yeah. But she also is excited to talk to debate with Jamie's dad about <laughs> theological Jesus. debates. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like savior of the world or just a, a wandering Jew or whatever she calls With him. With a hammer or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I guess I was going to say maybe it was like we could read some religious like conversion narrative in there, but I don't think we really can, you know. Right. Or like erasure of culture or things like that. Yeah. Um, but it, it would maybe be reading too much into it. Mm-hmm. Though I am disappointed that both she and Rory diss eggnog, which I love eggnog. I know it's not for everybody, but I love it, especially with a bit of brandy. So mm-hmm. I was disappointed. Uh, defensive eggnog. <laughs> uh, a small thing to mention before we move forward. We did forget um, forget to mention that Francie overhears mm-hmm. Paris canceling the supplementary student council meeting, which will come up later on. Yeah. After Chilton, we have a really quick scene at the inn where Michelle has just said something apparently very offensive to a group of Hungarians. Indeed. Um, And Lorelai also gets a call from Emily about Richard's 60th birthday dinner, which Lorelai seems to have forgotten about or never knew about. But we find out that it's going to be Wednesday or something other than Friday night dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. In this scene, I have my Lorelai's Closet nomination for the turtleneck that Lorelai is wearing. It is just so, so yeah, it's so gorgeous. I That's exactly the kind of thing I would like to wear in winter. It's like a, I couldn't tell if it was gray or beige, but it lost, it's like a good knit fabric and it has like long sleeves as well, which I always enjoy when my sweater has slightly too long of sleeves for me because it makes it even warmer. So mm-hmm. I really liked it. Yeah, that almost got my Lorelai's closet also. I mm. found something later. Yeah, it did look super cozy. I also wanted to note, speaking of coziness, like I feel like the phone call between the two of them was fairly chipper and mm-hmm. it did have me thinking like they left in a pretty cold argument, like kind of at an impasse with her and Emily and Richard and whatnot. So I wonder what happened over the winter break are they just kind of pretending it never happened like I think it just feels like that was a conflict that they dropped (laughs) totally maybe it'll come up again later but yeah did they like exchange emails hashing (laughs) it out (laughs) or something (laughs) yeah that's a good point the next scene we get is back at Lorelai's house where we enter on Lorelai screaming and there's a spider and then 
Dean just appears. I feel like this was another scene to put in the books of Lorelai and Dean having weird chemistry. <laughs> I totally agree. This reads like a cute encounter between yeah. like a character and her love interest. Like if you put Luke instead of Dean in this scene, it would be clearly like, oh yeah, another scene of Luke and mm-hmm. Lorelai flirting. Except that it's Dean and it's yeah. wildly inappropriate. <laughs> but like the charisma and chemistry between the two is just like... Stop putting them in scenes together, writers. It's, Seriously. it's too weird. <laughs> I mean, it's not even just like the script, like the way that they're talking to each other and looking at each other and stuff yeah. is just like heavy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he helps her to get rid of the spider, which of course is something a love interest would do. Mm-hmm. And then he's brought a box of Rory's stuff. So she arrives home and it's super awkward. Yeah. And... Lorelai completely oblivious to the fact that she and Dean have just been flirting with each other (laughs) asks Rory how she feels and Rory basically just says that she's fine she was just surprised um but when she takes the box to her room the la la la's play so we know that Mm -hmm. that's not true (laughs) yeah this was yet another incident of Rory not like refusing to talk about her feelings Mm -hmm. like this was a chance where she could process some emotions with Lorelai, who offers her what I think is like really good advice. Like, how are you feeling? It's okay if you feel weird. That won't mean that you still like Dean or it, it mm-hmm. won't mean that you made the wrong choice. Like, it's okay to feel weird. And she's just shut. she shuts that down and then goes off to look away, look in the distance like melancholy <laughs> as she's on her bed. And it's like, oh, Rory, this is... This is just, yeah, like, talk to the people in your life. They will help you. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, the, they're, like, Lane and Lorelai are supposed to be best friends for her. And part of best friends is that you tell them, like, when you're having trouble thinking about something, you talk to them about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also want to nitpick a little bit on the details. I First of all, I don't think that spider, like, I don't think they even tried to pretend there was a spider there. Like, when she put the cup down, I'm like, that's just air. I don't see a real spider. Mm -hmm. And then when Rory has the box that Dean brought her, there's clearly not anything in it. They could have put, like, I don't know, because she, like, goes to close her door and she's just got the box hanging from one hand as if she could, like, (laughs) carry that, all the books that are supposedly in the box. Mm -hmm. And just small details that drew me out of the scene a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. There are plenty of books around, just plop one in there. Yeah. After this scene, so I guess that kind of sets up the tension that'll be between Rory and Dean, which is so crazy. We've only had, has it just been one episode between when she went to visit him in the window and now? Yeah. But I guess it's been a few months. Right. So the, it has been like a month or two. Okay. Still. It's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. The next scene is what we mentioned earlier. So we're in the town square where it's all beautiful and everything. And Rory and Jess are doing something I've never seen anybody (laughs) attempt to do before. They're walking and kissing at the same time. It's not like they stop to kiss. I mean, they do that, but then they're also walking and kissing at the same time. It's just like, (laughs) this is beyond PDA. This is it hazard (laughs) it's almost as impressive as it is outrageous Mm -hmm. (laughs) like 
We made fun of Jess for walking and reading a book a while back. This is even more dangerous than that, yeah. I would argue. They almost walk into like in front of a moving car at the end of the scene. So this is actually they're actually putting themselves in danger through this mm-hmm. moving PDA. <laughs> and I just don't understand how it could be that hot either. Like because you'd have to be thinking about where you're walking like it just Mm -hmm. seems like too many things going on at once and these are like some hot and heavy kissing maneuvers as well like Jess is like kissing her neck and he's like I'm doing my best work here and you're just talking through it at one point and I do agree Mm -hmm. like he's doing good work but I'm just so like (laughs) it's just in the middle of the town square and it's such a from zero to a hundred from the last episode where she was afraid to kiss him in public to this it's just like what happened over winter break? Like, what was in that eggnog? Like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I, uh, it's just so weird. If I saw a teenage couple doing that in town, I don't know what I would do, but I would be very mm. disgusted. <laughs> I would scoff, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I do want to say that I do have my Friday night dinner critique in this scene because I think it's time to address a, re- a common criticism of Jess and this relationship mm-hmm. at this point, which is that he's not a good boyfriend at this time in the show. He has a lot of maturing to do, and mm-hmm. that is kind of the tragedy of this relationship. He's not really... I don't know if Rory is ready for this relationship, but I also don't think Jess is ready for it. And the tragic part is that like, when he is more mature... And at his most appealing, that's when Rory is unavailable, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing I want to highlight here is that Rory is making this pretty simple request that he go to the Winter Carnival with her. And Jess just says no immediately and won't consider it at all. And he comments that, you know, the reason he went to other town events like the Bitta Basket and the Dance Marathon is because he was trying to get her then. But now that he has her... He doesn't have to do anything. And that's kind of where I want to place the critique of like, this is such an awful mentality to have in a relationship. And that is just like such a bad boyfriend to not like want to do things that his partner is requesting him to do. I don't think it's an outrageous request, but even beyond that, to think of like that he possesses Rory and that is why he doesn't have to do anything to like make her happy, like both parts both parts of that logic are pretty toxic, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, like, it's so disappointing, honestly, to see this, like, attitude from him. And then the only reason he ends up going is from jealousy as well. So it's just a critique of, like, it's just too bad that he he really is a bad boyfriend. And I feel like the scene kind of shows that. Yeah, I agree. As somebody who loves Jess as a character... Like, his entire track record with being a boyfriend, like, how he was with Shane and now how he is with Rory, it's just none of it is good. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't understand that, like, the chase isn't the big part and also that, that his girlfriends are human beings with feelings <laughs> and it's not just about him getting what he wants, like whether physically or otherwise like mm-hmm. and we'll run into that soon again as well in a really bad way but mm-hmm. like he he I don't know he's just so yeah he's just so immature yeah and 
it, I think it's, but it also is like so exciting to see where he starts from here and where he ends up in the end because it is such a huge leap. Yeah, the character development is impressive. It's just that, mm-hmm. yeah, we start pretty low in terms of like yeah. immaturity and how he views romantic relationships. He's got, you know, he's got that like angsty teenage boy syndrome where he really needs to work out some of his own stuff before he is ready to be mm-hmm. in a relationship. Yeah. <sighs> I hate to be disappointed in dress, but that's just how it is these days. <laughs> yeah, like we're in an exciting time because they are finally dating, but it's mm-hmm. also like a dangerous time too because there are disappointments ahead, like you said. Yeah, he's so volatile and I, like he has been since he arrived and it's not until later that he like becomes a steadying force, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, they wander into Luke's and Jess is about to take Rory upstairs, which we know like would have led to some horizontal action. I thought it was for her education. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Really. <laughs> which is what it they're joking about. Him about. helping her with her homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, Lorelai, or unthankfully, I don't know. Depends, depends on, how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she arrives and she's been out shopping for Richard she has some truly wild like gift options for Richard and she wants Rory's opinion so she got him a bathroom scale which horrible is just, gift yes and like that's not a birthday gift that's something that you know that's that's the kind of thing you just get for yourself when you need it it's not a gift type of thing because it always has like added like an added meaning to it you know mm-hmm. and <clears throat> also a coin sorter which is only, I mean, it sorts it so that you can then roll your coins into coin rolls, which is like, you only need that if you're a business <laughs> or unless you like collect coins. But I don't think even if you collect coins that you would ever roll them because you're probably just collecting like the rare ones and you have like, I don't know, displays for them or something. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. And then a silk tie, which seems to be the best option, which I agree. Like that's that's a pretty safe yeah. You know, good option. It's like safe, but also impersonal. But, mm-hmm. you know, compared to the other two, it seems <laughs> like this is a very, I don't know, like Lorelai is a logical person, right? She knows none of these gifts are right for Richard. Is it supposed to be a reflection of <laughs> how broken their relationship is that yeah. she can't, you know, find an appropriate gift for him? Or, or is, you know, is gift giving not her love language maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah um rory volunteers to help her because rory has done the approach of just asking him what he wants which is one option you know and so she'll get he told her multiple things so she'll get richard something on lorelei's behalf that he had mentioned which is yeah great idea i I've, I've always like i don't know getting gifts for your parents is always kind of tough i I agree. I think my my dad's easy because he, he reads a lot, so I can always just get him a book. But mm-hmm. my mom is difficult because, I don't know, she seems to have the things that she wants. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> um, so that kind of prompts Roy to go off and do some do the shopping for this gift for Richard. While she's out, she runs into... Dean, literally they run into each other <laughs> such a classic trope yeah the stumbling I, into one another I don't know if I don't know what it is about how Dean looks in this episode but 
it get and it, it's it gave me such extreme supernatural vibes mm. i almost just started watching supernatural again <laughs> last night because of it even though it's like not it's a couple years from this season to when supernatural starts but something about how he looked just like was so sam from supernatural mm. yeah he does look older and or maybe his look is just coming together better um yeah you know he's not that like there's that portion where he was just oddly really tan yeah (laughs) and had a surfer boy necklace there was another period where he was really preppy now he's kind of like almost looking like he did at the start of the show but then Mm -hmm. he has some more mature handsome looks so you know the breakup maybe it was for the best he's going through a period of transformation yeah we find (laughs) that out it's awkward when they run into each other but then dean asks if she wants to go and get coffee Mm-hmm. And Rory says yes, so they go to Weston's, have a bit of an awkward babble as they decide where to sit. And then my Star's Hollow moment is just a really quick bit here, as you might expect. It's when Kirk comes up and he is the waiter at Weston's. And he talks about uh, all the pies that were made by cloistered nuns. He had to memorize like a list of 35 or something. And he's pretty upset when Dean picks, like, one of the first ones that he says so that Kirk can't list off the whole list. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love that Kirk often gets my Stars Hollow moment because he's just so Stars Hollow-y. Yeah. And I just liked him in his little apron. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was my Stars Hollow moment as well. I don't have much <laughs> more to add, but I just thought, like, of course Kirk is the waiter mm-hmm. at Weston's. Like, and of course, there are 30 flavors of pie and 32 flavors of ice cream that he has memorized and that he is sad he doesn't get to recite. <laughs> Very good. That's that's just so much. Like, what does their storeroom look like? <laughs> I know. To hold all of that. Mm-hmm. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Announcing the 2023 Stars Hollow Winter Festival. This year's event promises to bring what one fan of the carnival described as, quote, the really bad games and the really bad food that you love so much. (laughs) We think that by bad, that fan really means awesome. To clarify, our games are actually quite fun. You can choose from the likes of ice bowling, bottle toss, and getting your fortune read. You heard that correctly. The psychic from Woodbury is back again after another arrest. You are sure to be happy about your fortune. We hear she tells everyone that they're going to be rich and famous. We've also got delicious food and many options to choose from. It's cold outside, so don't you want a snow cone? If you want something a little more warm, we've got cheesesteaks and pretzels as well. If that's not enough, you'll want to stick around for the marching band's performance. The music is entertaining, and debating if the plumes on their hats are fashionable or ridiculous is also entertainment in itself. And listeners of Talking Fast get one free round trying to knock over bottles for a sad little stuffed bear. Just tell Kirk, he'll be around somewhere, that you listen to the podcast and he'll secure your free round. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I noticed specifically Dean actually eats the pie and so does mm-hmm. Rory. There are so many scenes, of course, where they don't actually eat it. Yeah, like the Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> yeah, but for some reason, like the way that they actually ate this pie just really stood out to me. Mm. Dean apologizes for making her uncomfortable and then they kind of go through a little bit of small talk and finally we find out that Dean really has been having like a transformation since the breakup. He's decided to apply to I think South Connecticut State, Southern Connecticut State, something. Pretty much because of Rory and her continued talk about Harvard and all of that, which is I don't know, cool that he's thinking about things differently. Mm -hmm. Though also Rory keeps going on about how like it's a good choice because he can do more as if Mm -hmm. going to community college wouldn't also give you similar yeah like a similar start in things depending on what you're interested in Mm -hmm. so we still have that like bashing of community college kind of but (laughs) and then by the end of the conversation they decide you know Dean asks is there a way we can be friends they talk about how weird it was to go from like talking every day to not talking at all which is a very like hard part of breakups and things like that I I feel like I guess Dean somewhere over winter break also transitioned from the I hate you phase which was where they were at in the end of their conversation through the window he was like I hope I don't hate you someday I guess someday was sooner (laughs) than we might have thought and so I I just think it's interesting that he's at this like very uh friendly phase with Rory Mm -hmm. and is inviting her to be friends and I think what I love is like by the end of the episode we see there's kind of like ulterior motives to this uh (laughs) thinking like this is the way to get her back which I I kind of love that like Dean is embracing this like just like strategy (laughs) and seeing like well okay two can tango let's see if I can get her back this way too so I found it um I don't know it's just like it finally colors some of Dean's character for me to be like oh he could actually be like doing something you know like uh yeah it was just a very intriguing scene and when they're eating the pie it seems very intimate and I was like I don't fault Jess entirely for being jealous because I would imagine him walking by and being like wait a second like (laughs) what is going on here (laughs) I kind of think that Dean is entering his villain era. Yes, that's a good way to describe it. Maybe that's why he's more uh, interesting, you know, because villains are interesting. That's so true. Maybe that's why he started to look cooler to me also. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I would like, in a way, he does it better than Jess. I mean, they just have different tactics, but Mm -hmm. because he like, he plays the good boy, the good guy, like, so well. Rory yeah. really believes he just wants to be friends. And she, like, I don't think ever truly believed that of Jess. Like, there was always the 
like it was always pretty obvious with Jess that he wanted to like actually be with her and not just be friends so I don't know Dean is like he's yeah this does make his character more interesting being a kind of a crafty Mm -hmm. villain yeah I like it (laughs) (laughs) too bad it doesn't last for very long that would have been really fun (laughs) yeah 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 okay so from here we go to the next day Richard's birthday party it turns out that Lorelai's gift for Richard through Rory is a complete history of some war that I did not write down I thought what was fun is that it was wrapped in a bow tie which makes it more personable and fun and Emily got him the cigar humidor which will come up later (laughs) um but you know the party is going well everyone's having a good time and then someone arrives it is tricks (laughs) and Emily's face is priceless yeah truly priceless (laughs) that was my gazebo moment (laughs) because it's just like such a like yeah she she becomes a statue as soon as she hears Trix's voice like she she literally she cannot move for multiple seconds as she just tries to compute what's happening it was like Mm -hmm. such good acting yeah and she's speechless like all she can say is oh my god a couple times (laughs) and I just I love the way that the power dynamic shifts when Trix arrives it really like and it just makes everything even more interesting because we get mm-hmm. kind of used to the dynamics we have. But then when Trix arrives, Emily's character is suddenly in a totally different power position. So it's really cool to see her um, like suffer as bad as mm-hmm. that sounds just because it gives her so many comedic opportunities, really. Yeah. It also gives her and Lorelai chances to bond. Yeah. I think... Like, last time Trix was there, they kind of bonded as well until the money stuff came up. Mm-hmm. And this time they really, like, bond <laughs> in a cool way. It gives them common ground in a way that mm-hmm. they do not really have when it's just the two of them. Yeah. Yeah, Trix apparently <laughs> has been... Of course, she starts off this whole interaction by admonishing Emily for various <laughs> things. <laughs> but she... <laughs> Apparently has been renting her, her home to Corn the band. I love this detail. <laughs> Which um I'm not a big Corn person, but I'm pretty sure they're like a hard rock kind of metal type of band that was big in the 2000s. It's kind of like the yeah, metal slash yeah, metal I guess. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I I never really listened to them that much. But. Me either. But apparently they were good renters and they planted tulips. Good tenants, she says. (laughs) I love that, like, the whole you can have, because corn does have, like, such a harsh Mm -hmm. look, harsh vibe. But then to have them, like, as these good tenants, not ripping the house to shreds, planting flowers. It was just funny. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Um, This episode is just full of so many moments of dialogue that could Mm -hmm. potentially be just sass attacks and I don't have mine in this scene but some of this is just so like when they sit down Trick says to Emily oh Emily you're still here (laughs) it's like (laughs) she is vicious yeah and later on Emily suggests going to the Arboretum and Trick says I have no desire to spend a day with plants I'm not a bee (laughs) 
gosh. And it's just so good. <laughs> yeah, she's got so many good one-liners. She's kind of like Emily unleashed. <laughs> yeah, like Emily, if she'd had this many years to like just really settle into mm-hmm. her. Yeah. <laughs> what Trix really wants to do is see where Lorelai works. So that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so they set up dinner the next day at the inn. And then Trix ups Emily's humidor with one that was uh, owned by Victor Hugo. And that's my Rory's bookshelf mm. for the episode. Victor Hugo was a 19th century author who wrote like Le Miserable and uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I have read Le Miserable. I haven't read The Hunchback of Notre Dame yet, but those are two of some of my favorite musical scores. Like The Hunchback of Notre Dame Disney soundtrack is just off the charts. It's so good. And Le Miserable is the musical, of course, is amazing. Um, Classic. So that was why I chose that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because I love Victor Hugo, because he's part of one of the that generation of 19th century, 19th century authors who I'm pretty sure wrote for periodicals. So each chapter, they were paid by the word. So the books <laughs> are ridiculously long, like thousand page books. Oh, yeah. And they're just so like, there's just so much superfluous description and stuff like like Charles Dickens was one of those uh but I I mean he's still obviously a good author yeah little did Victor know he would inspire such great musicals I know yeah I wonder what he would say about that yeah (laughs) well moving ahead to the next day we will follow Lorelai throughout her day and then circle back a bit for Rory with Lorelai, we find out that she's at the inn, she's at work. Sookie is, of course, preparing a fantastic dinner for that evening. And Lorelai is then interrupted by a phone call from Emily, which is a really delightful phone call. Emily's calling from the car on her way to Lorelai's house already because she has found out that Trix wants to see where Lorelai lives. And I think it's sweet that in her mind, Emily thinks that Lorelai would freak out by this and so she's trying to save the day by going to her house to probably like reorganize it you see in the car she's got like fancy flowers behind her and Lorelai is just like where are you going what are you doing and she's so calm about it um not she's not affected by tricks in the way that Emily is (laughs) yeah Emily does say like that part of the reason she's doing this is because Everything that's bad is Emily's fault. So she's like yeah. preemptively trying to make Lorelai's house good. But when we arrive at Lorelai's house, Emily's already like starting to rearrange stuff. And Emily- and Lorelai um, confronts her about this. And we also find out how Lorelai deals with Emily a lot, <laughs> which is Lorelai has a defense mechanism or defense yeah, mechanism. Mm hmm. And she thinks Emily should adopt one as well. <laughs> I love this advice. <laughs> yeah. Lorelai gives the example that hers is that she decided to find Emily's disapproval funny after so many years of like being hurt by it. And the example for that is the, was it a Hello Kitty 
vase or something Emily like mentions how terrible it is and Lorelai <laughs> just kind of like nods knowingly like yes exactly do you see my point <laughs> mm. um like that was something that you kind of it kind of explains so much of Lorelai's like style and eclecticness right. that she thinks she likes things but then she also thinks will this upset Emily in some way and then she buys it <laughs> Right. And she's like, I almost take pleasure in your disapproval. So sometimes I prompt it, you know, like instigate just for that reaction now. (laughs) And Emily is a bit, you know, surprised by this. And we'll see that she does take this advice to heart later on. But the scene ends with her kind of like slumped over on the couch. And I just think it's so like even her posture changes when Trix is around Mm -hmm. because she's really an upright kind of girl, but she looks so defeated and slouched over at the end of the scene. A good scene of bonding, though. Yes. Yeah. They do have that common ground now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Meanwhile, Chilton. Rory is kind of walking down the hall and Francie pulls her into the student council boardroom or whatever the meeting room and she has staged a coup and gotten (laughs) everybody there because Paris is gone off with Jamie it seems Mm -hmm. and my Friday night dinner is in this moment mostly for Francie for doing this because obviously it's a sketchy move like she knew that this was gonna upset Paris and that it was really like not a good thing to do but Mm -hmm. More so for the teacher who allowed this, knowing that Paris, who is the president, wasn't going to be there. And, like, he hears a conversation between Rory and Francie where it becomes clear that Francie is just doing this to get around Paris. Like, and as the teacher, you can't just just let that happen. I'm sure that they attempt to do, like, be hands-off to some degree to give them more experience, but you have to draw the line somewhere. Like, this is obviously not a good thing to do you Mm -hmm. have to just be like no we're waiting for Paris but yeah I was disappointed in the teaching for this I agree I was like what kind of faculty like supervisor is this because at the end of the scene he like tells Rory to call the vote you know and she wants to wait for Paris but he insists that she call the vote and I was just like (laughs) why I don't feel like a teacher would actually do that but yeah the reason for this meeting is that Francie wants to get this mansion for prom and it doesn't fit the budget as according to Paris who wanted to donate a telescope to the school as their senior present present yeah present uh but instead Francie just wants to donate a tree like every other class has done and so she forces the vote and everyone votes for the mansion for prom and the tree as their senior gift and Rory is understandably peeved by this (laughs) I will say I did give my MVP back to Francie a while ago (laughs) partially because she is such a well-written villain Mm -hmm. and I do think that continues as like an antagonist she's very strategic and just really interesting and I like that the next scene is Rory pulling her into the bathroom, which really parallels the way that Francie did the same thing to Rory. And I really like Rory trying to intimidate Francie now. Um, And this scene also has my Rory's bookshelf because Francie asks Rory, what's your damage? 
And <laughs> this is a reference to Heather's a movie from uh-huh. I don't remember. I would want to say the eighties. I don't like remember the nineties. But it's just like a really, really good movie about high school and teenagers angst and it's also been made into a musical that I enjoy listening to and I feel like this is like the prime high school movie before something like um Mean Girls comes along you know Mm -hmm. like this is really I feel like a big inspiration for Mean Girls because it's definitely all about Mean Girls the Heathers (laughs) and yeah just a cool movie pretty dark yeah. though so you know just prepare yourself if you do watch it <laughs> yeah it's slightly bloodier than mean girls <laughs> yeah yeah there's yeah <laughs> but it is so good it's like got mm-hmm. some great it's got like Winona Ryder of course and then yeah James Spader when he was young mm-hmm. and still more or less handsome <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a great movie I haven't watched that for so long mm, should watch me that. either so yeah uh in the bathroom Francie also calls Jamie Paris's uh, lobotomy victim, which was pretty comical. I I could also be pretty offensive. Yeah. And earlier she had like said she was she noticed Paris leaving school with her brother. And then they're like, Paris doesn't have a brother. And so she's like, well, with some guys. So she's in the meeting, like insinuating that Paris is off with a guy, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it comes up again in this conversation. And that's just a small detail. I just was wondering, like, what is Jamie? Like, why isn't Jamie at school? Yeah. That he's picking up Paris. And this is what I would think would be a Thursday because they had the birthday dinner on a Wednesday. So, like, Mm -hmm. did he come home early for the weekend? I... I just am, you know, is Jamie neglecting his studies as much as Paris is? Maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, that's true. Or is it that he just, his college has a longer break than high school? Because, like, we usually don't start back up until, like, towards the end of January. So if this is, like, the very beginning of January. But also, yeah, I still think he's driving or taking transit all the way from New Jersey to Connecticut Seems like a lot Mm -hmm. Um, for like midweek meetings. But Rory also circles Francie a bit, just like Francie did back in the original confrontation. She threatens Francie, although there's like nothing super concrete. Rory does say, though, that she's read The Art of War, so Francie (laughs) should be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Francie leaves saying that Rory will regret this and seems like miffed but not frightened by Rory I think so mm-hmm. Francie's a good a good villain to be opposed to Rory and Paris together yeah I feel like Francie is um like you know little finger in Game of Thrones <laughs> Gosh, when he says yeah. <laughs> you have to like envision every single outcome so you're never surprised like she didn't seem surprised by this like it's just another challenge for her to mm-hmm. overcome <laughs> yeah in her I don't even know, like, just her desire to get what she wants for the senior class, which involves prom and uniform skirt lengths and things like that. But she gets it done. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she has succeeded in a, like, big budget item. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, crafty. (laughs) (laughs) From here, we go to the evening at Lorelai and Rory's house. They've hidden a couple things, like the monkey lamp and... Spice Girl memorabilia, but for the most <laughs> part, they're keeping the house intact. And 
um, the the crew arrives. Emily, <laughs> Trix, and Richard. And then what ensues is a hilarious scene where Trix is taking herself on a self-guided tour of the house. She's just whacking in every room. And all the other family members are <laughs> comically like falling right behind her. And whenever she stops, they almost like run into each other. It is a kind of like comedy that involves like movement and acting mm-hmm. that we don't often see in the show. It was it was very good. <laughs> this silence by tricks as she inspects was my dress sass attack. <laughs> I like it's that. The opposite of what we usually expect for a dress sass attack, but silence, there was just yeah. so much sass in her silence. I also I'm pretty sure we see this exact setup of a scene in uh, the Mar- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel show at least once. Oh. I can I don't remember when. I just like have this distinct memory of seeing the same kind of setup of like somebody walking through in silence and everybody like following and just like a pace behind. You're so right. So it's clearly like something that Amy Sherman Palladino likes to include. Obviously, she I don't think she was I don't know if she was directing this episode, but she probably had her her hand in things anyways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Trix doesn't say a single thing about the house she just says let's go (laughs) and then they head out and we'll cover Rory's storyline at the carnival and then pick back up with Lorelai's later so Mm -hmm. they all go their separate ways Rory heads to the carnival she and Jess are walking there together but Jess still is set on not going even though as rory says it's beautiful there's like snow everywhere it's obviously fake snow but it still looks pretty Mm -hmm. and there's like the fairy lights all over town it is very beautiful yeah and rory keeps trying to get dressed to come but of course he won't and then they run into clara and dean clara (laughs) is so obnoxious i think they just wrote like, oh my God. direction to be as obnoxious as possible. This little kid <laughs> did not have to be that annoying. I know. And she just annoys Jess. I think, I think, and I think the problem is that Jess is supposed to be annoyed by Clara in a way that com- is a foil to Dean. And how like, oh, you know, Jess is just so bothered by this little kid. But the thing is, we're so bothered by her mm-hmm. as the audience as well. So we're like, Jess is, ha- Jess is having a rational reaction to this annoying-ass trial. <laughs> so I feel like we're kind of on his side when I feel like what they wanted us to think of, like, oh, he's so bad. But I'm like, no, I do want her to... No, no, I'm not going to... I'm not going to say that, but <laughs> um, <laughs> she's annoying. Yeah. It's almost like, um, you know how if if somebody really dislikes dogs oftentimes dogs flock to them (laughs) Mm -hmm. or cats i guess might be a better example that seems to be what's happening here because clara is specifically following jess around who is clearly the most annoyed by her oh wait a second i just had a light bulb moment what if before they arrived dean told clara do whatever uh, you can to annoy Jess to make him look bad in front of Rory. Yes, I bet he, <laughs> that was the sec, like part two of his evil plan. <laughs> yeah, it would that just make so it make sense. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, wow. Genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
we've kind of skipped the premise, which is that Clara and Dean are going to the carnival and like kind of unspokenly, it seems like Rory will accompany them, which Mm -hmm. prompts Jess to decide that he's going to go as well. Um, It's pretty clear, like very obvious that he's just going because Dean is going to be there and Dean can tell just because of how the interaction goes. So that's uh, setting up some jealousy for Jess, which we have critiqued Dean about um, in the past when he was dating Rory. And here Jess is also kind of, I mean, we've said that there is like good reason because Rory hasn't told him about the coffee and everything, but he's also being a little bit possessive Yeah, in this, this scene. Though, I, I don't know, you know, it, it makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I don't think it's a good look for him, though we do see him at least bring it up with Rory mm-hmm. when they're alone together and Dean is off getting snow cones. I think he asks her, do you have anything to tell me? <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. he, you know, and then he has to prompt her. He asks, like, when did you and Dean get buddy-buddy? Have you been talking? And she's saying you know, no. And well, we talked once, we got coffee. He asked if I could be, if we could be friends. And Jess's response to this is to be like, oh, I'm not mad. I just figure you could have told me, but no, I'm not mad. While he is seeming very tense, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I like that he initiated the conversation and wanted to have a, you know, a talk about it. But then to, you know, be more passive aggressive about it is very, you know, immature teenage kind of relationship way of dealing with things. And Mm -hmm. instead of really like working it out with Rory, instead he's going to take the approach of like being aggressive with Dean later on and kind of like going to him to be like, why are you doing this to Rory rather than, you know, trying to develop a trust with Rory. (laughs) I guess, yeah, that takes us to the next scene for them, which is Jess confronting Dean I guess Clara's in the bathroom, so Jess, like, stands at the top of a stairwell talking down to Dean, looking kind of menacing, and approaches him. He tells, Jess tells Dean that Rory pities him, um, and that's why she's, like, being so nice to him and everything. She feels mm-hmm. bad for what's ha- what she did to Dean, which I think is partially true. And then... Yeah. They kind of have a a back and forth, but Dean ends this by saying, or Jess says, like, Dean and Rory aren't getting back together. Dean ends this by saying, well, he and Rory are just friends, just like Jess and Rory used to be (laughs) just friends. And look where that got you. (laughs) Yeah. That that line was my Jess sass attack, actually. Nice. For Dean, like, finally Dean said something sassy you know Mm -hmm. and I just loved it and that was kind of the key for me of understanding his actions earlier on in the episode and like we've said it kind of gives him more dimension than what he had previously and just as like I don't know I just think that is such a funny thing to say like yeah well (laughs) you saw where it got you like who knows where it will get me it's just Mm -hmm. so genius (laughs) yeah game on (laughs) yeah it shows like for the first time, Dean having taking some sort of agency in his storyline, mm. mm-hmm. which I don't think, honestly, like, I wish they had followed this villain edit for him. 
Because we never see him do that again. Even later on, like when he and Rory have their stuff later, he's not really showing that much agency. He's just kind of taking things as they happen and letting things unfold. And that's like, he's not in his villain era then either. Like he is a villain because he's doing bad shit to people, Mm -hmm. but he's not purposefully trying to be like kind of like a villain. Yeah. It's just that he is, you know, but here he's it's different you know yeah 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 it's the difference between like actually I I don't know it's the difference between being entertaining for us versus being like actually just a slime ball gross guy yeah I think it's like purpose and intent like he has a purpose and intention agency like you said here whereas later on that's just like his character and his actions that his purpose and intent, he thinks he's just being, like, good romantic guy or something mm-hmm. like that. Or, yeah. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> For now, we will return to earlier in the evening to pick up on Lorelai's storyline with the Gilmores. And they are at the Independence Inn. Things are off to, like, a pretty good start. They all seem pretty impressed with the inn. And they see these printed out menus in front of them at their table and this is when (laughs) Trix starts to start like she writes all of these absurd instructions on the menu and about when each course should be served 12 minutes per course because that's best for her digestion unless people are not done with the course yet and then Mm -hmm. you can't take the plates which will come up later and Michelle has a great line after this (laughs) where uh Trix gives him this note on her menu and says thank you and he says oh no thank you it's so rare that I get to carry a note anymore (laughs) and I I just really love that it's like it kind of feels like you know when Mrs. Kim asks Jess like who are you and he says ma'am to her it's like even Trix it's like reverse like Trix is so formidable but even she still gets like sass and judgment Mm -hmm. from Michelle you know it's like yeah (laughs) just these characters who are so strong and (laughs) um And their qualities with Mrs. Kim, just like strength and intimidation and Michelle just like judging everyone around him. (laughs) And Michelle is so good with his sass. Like if Trix were to call him out for saying what he said, she'd have no leg to stand on Mm because he didn't say anything technically bad. It's all in the tone. Yeah, Um, totally. He's just just so good with it. (laughs) Yeah. I have my... Lorelai's closet for Lorelai's outfit in this dinner scene. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like it, but um, (laughs) wait a second. (laughs) She's got a purple paisley top on, Mm -hmm. and then her necklace has a purple stone that matches the shirt. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to have that as my Lorelai's closet because I'd brought up a similar thing in the Thanksgiving episode, I think, or the dance marathon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there were so many things in that episode that yeah. I couldn't give her my Lorelai's closet. So I wanted to do it for the same same thing. I don't really like the style of the top. It's kind of like that like umpire waist peasant top that was so popular in the 2000s with like a jersey fabric. So it only looks <laughs> good on people who are super thin. <laughs> Otherwise, it's too clingy and weird. But yeah. I just liked that matching necklace. <laughs> I like that. I'm glad you got to nominate the coordinating (laughs) necklace top. Thanks. Okay. um, So we're continuing on with the dinner. It seems to be going well. 
Sookie comes out. Grand compliments the food. Um, they notice Sookie's chef jacket <laughs> has a huge cut in the back. And so she kind of tries to describe what happened. And she's like acting it out with motions. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, they cannot comedy. like follow what she means. And she just says, you just had to be there, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. The, it's followed by something very serious, though, which is the revelation that Trix is deciding to move back to her house as a result of ill health and wanting to be closer to her family. This is obviously Emily's nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my gazebo moment is Emily's reaction to this news. <laughs> she has finally developed her defense mechanism, and it is eating food incredibly slowly because <laughs> Trix wants the next course, and Emily's going to stick it to her by saying she's not done yet. And she takes the smallest bite of her food. Later on, Lorelai will say that she spent an hour and a half on four green beans alone, which I just like, that is very impressive to me. Yeah. (laughs) And I just thought this was really, really hilarious. And Lorelai responds saying, that'll do, pig, that'll do, (laughs) which is just really funny. It's also the episode title. Mm -hmm. Um, The student has become the master, you know. It was fun. (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. I... I don't remember if we get many more instances of Emily, like, using that same sass towards Trix, but I know we get some other juicy interactions between the two of them. Yeah. At some point. I don't know if it's very soon, but at some point. Actually, it might be quite soon. I don't know. Right. We'll see. If she's moving. Yeah. After this scene, we're pretty much done with the episode. We're back at home for a little closing scene where Rory and Lorelai are sitting on the porch where it's snowing and kind of recapping the evening for each other. Rory uh, gives this super naive perception that Jess and Dean seem fine with everything. <laughs> Lorelai just looks at her like, oh, you summer sweet summer child. <laughs> like, I know. She's like, once in a, a while. <laughs> yeah, once in a while, you still seem like a kid. And yep, she was so mm-hmm. oblivious. And yeah. she says, let's just watch the snow, which is a lovely way yeah. to be like, you know, yeah, there might be conflict down the line because silly, silly girl, your, <laughs> your ex and your current boyfriend are not just <laughs> fine, but let's just watch the snow. <laughs> yeah, I also... It- it like was a callback to Lorelai's love for snow, which we haven't mm-hmm. seen. This is the first snow of the season, so we haven't seen that yet this season. And yeah, I just loved it. It's beautiful. As, I agree. As I've said before, I love winter and snow, except this winter has been ridiculous. Um, but I just love this the sentiment of just sitting outside and watching the snow, yeah. eating a snow it's very cone. Very pleasant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we finished the episode. Who would you say was your MVP? I Well, I just realized I had forgotten to give an MVP, but <laughs> I think I can pull one out of thin air and say my MVP is Trix. <laughs> oh, controversial. <laughs> because she just like dropped in completely unexpected. I hadn't remembered she came back. She turned everything on its head. Like, we could have been in store for some more Lorelai, Emily, Richard drama, but instead, Trix shows up and (laughs) Emily has to deal with that. And we just got so many, like, great lines and great scenes just because Trix was there. So I think she 
is my MVP this episode. Yeah, no, I'm very persuaded by that because you're right. We could have, you know, she was just such a force and she made such change and it was refreshing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My MVP, though, is her victim, (laughs) Emily. (laughs) I, I loved everything about Emily in this episode. The acting from... Kelly Bishop was just very phenomenal Mm -hmm. so comedic and she had so many good one-liners and I loved you know the gazebo moment her reaction to tricks in the end I think I would like highlight one other line to as an example of this when they were um leaving for the dinner Rory just says have fun you know kind of mindlessly (laughs) like you would to someone and Emily's response to that is no one appreciates your sarcasm, young lady. <laughs> and the strictest, sternest tone. And it's like she never takes that tone with Rory. And it just shows like the effect that Trix has on her. She's so warped <laughs> and it's hilarious to see. <laughs> um, So I sympathize with her and I'm glad that she could like kind of make her stand of resistance in the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. The two of them together, just such great TV moments. Yeah. Nemesis. Mm-hmm. On that note, I, uh, again, have no idea what comes next, so we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We will see. (laughs) All right. Talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.